Welcome to Technology Forward, where we explore trends and developments in the additive manufacturing industry. Welcome everyone and thank you for listening. The supply chain continues to be a story for additive manufacturing, especially with the recent news from President Biden on the new AM Forward initiative. I'm here with Dave Evans, CEO of Fictive, to discuss AM and the supply chain, among other subjects. So thank you for joining me today, Dave. Thanks so much for having me, Leslie. Great to be here. All right. So why don't we start with the AM initiative, since it's pretty much kind of hot news. Uh, For our listening audience, in case you are not completely aware, President Biden recently announced a program which should help small and mid-sized manufacturers in their additive manufacturing efforts. So what are your thoughts on this initiative, Dave? Yeah, I mean, one, I think it's fabulous to see support from, you know, the government side to continue to foster reshoring and manufacturing in the U.S. So that's a great commitment. I think additive, you know, obviously is a a shining light or beacon for a lot of us of how we're bringing in Industry 4.0 and really digitization into to manufacturing. And I think the third thing that really stood out to me was its focus on small and medium-sized manufacturers, which really is the base of our manufacturing ecosystem here in the United States. So any way that we can help that base of manufacturers be more productive, uh, more technology advanced, I think will only help to grow the ecosystem. Really, it's that infrastructure that we need in the U.S. to, you know, continue to foster building here in America. Now, this is a voluntary program for people, Mm -hmm. for companies to join into. What are your thoughts on the volunteer aspect of it? Well, I think the volunteer basically allows the most innovative shops to raise their hand and say, we want to be a part of this. I think what's important is that, you know, you can talk about digitization here in the U.S. for all those shops. And I think that goes beyond just additive. You know, as I think about the sphere of, you know, we have 250 manufacturing partners in our in our ecosystem. And we think about having a small, highly vetted network of providers rather than, you know, a big marketplace. And I think that the reason why we do this is for quality is that we really focus on how do you deliver mission-critical products to our customers. So in the same way in this volunteer aspect, really it's saying, hey, the best, most innovative shops can raise their hand and be a part of this volunteer kind of movement. And I think that that should be the the tip of the spear, that we really need great examples of shops that are adopting digital practices. And I think think it's a smart move. Now, I've been talking recently with some people about the digitization of involving additive manufacturing and the supply chain. Can you give me your definition, your idea of what that means? For sure. You know, I think that digitization is a buzzword. And so for all the listeners, readers, okay, great. I hear digital, but what does that, what does that mean? I'd break it down in a couple ways. As we think about this announcement of what Biden administration put forwards, I think that additive can play a critical role in speeding up a lot of manufacturing processes in a traditional shop. So it's not about making an end use part necessarily out of pure additive, but can you make soft jaws? So fixtures for how you are machining components. Can I produce 
essentially a blank like I would in a forging or a casting to then post machine it for the tolerances needed. So really it's a, a dual additive and subtractive processy. So I think digital in that way can help speed up a lot of all the operations and secondary operations that goes into making an end use part. I think that's one way to look at digital. A second way is, you know, how we work with our partners is we are helping bring technology, software, into a small, medium-sized manufacturing facility to help really speed up a lot of their processes. So take our quality practices. We're help leveraging our software to do documentation, whether it's around the, the measurements, uh, so all the, the GDT or metrology that's going on. We're doing uh, photographs of in-process steps, uh, really to, to track what the end product will come out with. And all that's done on a mobile phone of that operator. So if you think about this, you walk into a shop, it's not about having to install computers at all these stations and networking. Everybody has an iPhone and an Android. So we're leveraging technology already in that ecosystem, but giving them world-class Silicon Valley you know, based software to speed up processes here and really work alongside them. I'll give you a fun example. You know, I was just visiting one of these shops. It's about 20 people. They have, I think, 15 mills in this, in this facility, CNC machines. And what was incredible is I was watching an operator running one of these CNC machines. And while it was going through the cycle, he was accepting a work order from Fictive on his phone, standing at the machine. So he's accepting a $6,000 job, you know, that was due a week a week from there from his phone while running a machine. And I was like, wow, that is digital to me that you have this operator accepting new work from Fictive while running an existing job all from the factory floor. I was like, this is really, this is digitization to me. Uh, it's pretty cool. Manufacturing, not like it was about 20, 30 years ago at all. It, it, it wasn't Leslie, like here's a stack of designs, you know, 2D prints and you're right thumbing through them. Oh, can I source that? Can I make that? And you had to sit at your desk and you have a light on with your pencil. You know, he was on his Android, like, oh, $5,000, except, you know, it was like, it was like being in an Uber ride, but I was there firsthand seeing it. I was like, this is digitization. This is pretty cool. You also said something about additive that I don't hear very often, where instead of viewing additive as a replacement, for lots of traditional manufacturing stuff, it's now maybe more readily, more easily gonna become just another part of the process in manufacturing? Yeah, I think, think of additive, I think a lot of people like in the early days when I think of a MakerBot on the cover of Wired, Brie Pettis holding this, this'll be on everybody's desk. And I'm sitting there as an engineer, I'm like, well, they're telling me that in, that this is going to replace injection molding. Like I never bought that vision. That was that, you know, call me a skeptic. And I still don't. I think of it as a tool in your tool chest right. and you pull out that drawer and there's a time and place to use additive for that reason. And there's times where that additive part is better than a urethane casted part or a injection molded part, or maybe even a machined, machine plastic. And there's other times where it actually can accelerate the steps in making a final part. And so I really encourage a lot of our customers, design engineers, as well as our manufacturing partners like that operator, how can to leverage, how can additive speed up 
some part of your development process, not mm-hmm. replace, but you know, it's really in addition to. And I think that that helps people think about it in a, a new light. Speaking of your customers or people that you encounter with additive, yeah. how far along are we as far as education? about additives capabilities, kind of where, tell me where we are now, because I know for a long time we were still in the education phase. Where are we now? I think that at the rate that additive continues to grow, because there's so much money being invested in here all the time, you really have to continue reading and educating yourself. I think a lot of folks know what FDM is, what SLA is, you know, traditional 30-year-old technology. But if you really want to understand the best material properties or a faster way of maybe printing or growing apart, you really have to continue educating yourself. It's, it's the same thing that's true of if you're studying, you know, lightweight polymers for aerospace, like the, the, the material science that's going on there, you have to continue to stay educated. So I always encourage our design engineers to be lifelong learners Rather than like, I know additive, I know all that's there. Uh, you know, really, it's uh, you got to stay up to date on the the newest, latest, greatest for sure. How about the software? And this includes CAD software and others. How are the, the developers of the software doing as far as putting in a lot of useful information for the design engineer when it hmm. comes to would you choose additive to prototype and or make said part that you're designing? Yeah, I'll give you a, a real example. So I'm a, I'm a mechanical engineer as well. I cut my teeth at Ford. So I was building infotainment systems, dashboards of cars. So think about all the buttons, knobs, switches on your Mustang, your Ford Fusion. Those are all things I got to work on uh, in my career. And what I remember, so this was like 2010, 2011, when I was at Ford, we were coming off this time where it was really this cycle where the last decade, maybe two years or two decades was really spent in CAD, meaning that if you were designing things in 80s and 90s, you would build physical bucks, prototypes of what this looked like. You'd interact it physically because our computation wasn't very good um, or wasn't as, as good. Then you kind of move into the, the 2000s, kind of late 90s, 2000s, early 2010s, and all the work that you could do in simulation and design everything was done there. So when I walked into Ford, it was all PowerPoint presentations, meaning you'd make digital designs, you would take screenshots, rip them out, put them in some type of presentation. And we are talking about the simulation of this. And I said, you know, hey, simulation can only go so far from my perspective. Look at all of the rapid prototyping and actual development we can do by leveraging additives, leveraging on-demand, you know, manufacturing services. And actually, I see a swing now, I would say, in the last decade, Leslie, where the ability to go from idea to digital to then a physical part, that has never been faster. And I still think that there's nothing that can replace two mating parts coming together, seeing how they function, feel, click, snap. And I think that what Effective has been able to offer other kind of digital services or or additive I actually think that while CAD is great in the simulation, the speed at which you can have a physical product on your desk, uh, nothing replaces that. So I think simulation for DFM is good, but I still think physical parts on your desk, you know, if you can do that with, with real speed and high quality, I think nothing replaces that. 
are you seeing a merging between simulation, CAD, and additive? Uh, is that happening faster maybe than you anticipated? A hundred percent. I mean, the gap, when we started Fictive almost 10 years ago, the gap that I saw is the CAD was really powerful, yeah. but the manufacturing basically digital twin of what happens when I make that, that was basically nascent. You know, that was a gap that we saw. So when you think about leveraging Fictive's offering, what I talk about is like, we focus on quality. Leslie, is that number one? Quality starts when you give us that asset. And we basically build a digital twin, a full simulation of how this part will be manufactured. And I think that we, unlike other services, we look at all the different ways that that could get made. So long special tool cutters, can you 3D print this and then machine it that we're really looking at a lot of different combinations. So what's happening is you are, you are merging together simulation with CAD software to say, how do you build this high quality product that if you need this very tight tolerance specific feature, well, your lead time goes like this, or your cost might do this, or, hey, you need a special cutter, you know, a, a CNC tool actual made to make this feature. And you can do that, but here are the implications of it. That's all the power of simulation. So then what happens is that the quality product that you're getting, you know exactly what you're buying up front. It's not like a roll the dice, get a part back and Hmm, what is the quality of that? Or what does it look like? I think that's the merging of simulation with kind of like physical prototyping and you get a high quality product out the other end. Now, do you have your own software that handles that simulation of, let's take a look at the best way to make this design? A hundred percent. We run a full computational geometry analysis on how that part will get made. Meaning you're uploading that bearing mount and we are, are running full tool path on it. How many cutters are used? What's the machine time? What is the material removal rate in 4140 material versus say a 6061 aluminum? All of that's being done by our software that we've built. It's our intellectual property. That then allows us to say, okay, great. We've run the simulation on it. We know all these features, which maybe can be produced and ones that can't. We finalize that manufacturing process. Now I know there are 10 available machines in our pre-vetted network that can go produce these on demand right now. And then that work is getting scheduled. Like we said, operators are accepting that work on their smartphone, on the shop floor with all that information. And it's getting made on demand in literally days. Is there consultation done to, with the design engineer on like, okay, we've done this analysis of this product. Here are your cost choices. You yep. could do it AM for this, or you could do it CNC or injection molding for this or that. That's what I love. So all of our software and technology has built this online digital platform that gives you all that set of information. But it's because we've done all this software on the back end that's doing the heavy lifting so Samson isn't sitting there trying to build you a quote or figure out the DFM on this part. He's just saying, hey, we have option A, B, and C. Here are the trade-offs. And he's literally guiding you through. You know, I like to call him a Sherpa. He's helping you get to the top of Everest saying, I'm not going to climb for you, Leslie, but I'm going to help bring you along the way. I'm going to give you oxygen when you need it. We're going to stop at this base camp and, and eat. That is how we've trained our people. And I, I think 
our customers love that aspect is the, the, the Sherpas or guided expertise that our people give. Now let's go into agility and resiliency and what efforts additive can help facilitate to make the supply chain yeah. uh, able to weather chaos and surprises yeah. a lot better well, than it has been. I think we could all say we are in a when it's going to happen moment, not if it's going to happen. Yeah. So, you know, I think for a long time, a lot of supply chain professionals were constantly responding, well, if this happens and if this happens and you build these Monte Carlo situations of all these ifs. And that was five years ago. Today, it's like, it's actually when this tornado hits or when this ship is stuck in the LA port or when the Suez Canal won't allow ships. It's a, so we're out of an if moment into a when. And what I like to tell folks is, you need to be building geographic resiliency into your model. And so what I mean by that is you cannot be overly concentrated on one region. And that can be being in Dallas, Fort Worth and being in Florida, or it could be being in, I'm in Dallas, Fort Worth, I'm in Indonesia and I'm in Guangzhou, China. And like, that's true resiliency. And then what I would say is, well, how are you running this network of really manufacturers? How are you running your supply chain? And have you built true resiliency into that? I think there's a lot of ways digital can help. There's case studies and examples of what we've done, but I think that really we spend a lot of time working with supply chain professionals on that, that idea or topic is geographic resiliency. It almost sounds like the definition or the terms additive and 3D printing are going to go away in favor of a broader term, digital, just I, digital I manufacturing. Think so. I think additive for a long time has been the beacon of hope. I said that, but I think that additive is only one aspect of a digital playbook that you need to have, you know, which is where it's like, I think fictive is a chapter, you know, of that digital playbook as well. But I also think you should be looking at Flexport which is like, it's the digitization of logistics. And I think that what Ryan has built there, they've raised hundreds of millions of dollars. They've digitized the entire logistics space. Like you need to have really this, all these digital layers to your, your resiliency playbook. And so I think, yes, additive is great. Don't, don't get me wrong. But I think that we should be thinking about how other digital solutions can drive this result, which we need which is resiliency or agility in our supply chains or our products. Well, we have so many enabling technologies right now. You've yeah. got IoT, you've got yep. additive, you've got simulation software and better software. It's like they're all coming together. And now we just have to think it through yeah. and come up with, like you said, a playbook. What I like to explain to folks is I like to look at the past of history to say, what could we do in our space? And so the best example I think of this is think back 10, maybe 15 years ago, if you wanted to build your software or your website, you would build on-prem server racks. That was your only option. And so you'd have a whole bunch of servers, you'd calculate what your load capacity was, you'd hire an IT department, which would run those servers for you. And you just pray to God that Design world doesn't publish your things and crash your website. And you, you, you try to design for those spikes. And if you fast forward today, 
nobody is thinking about their website going down anymore. Nobody is thinking about all of the, the, the load balancing that's done because it all runs on the cloud. And then you have all these services on the cloud of Docker, which Dockerizes and you can move it to these places. I'm on Azure, I'm on AWS. If my Oregon region AWS goes down, it just automatically moves over to another region and my website stays up. And you have all this monitoring in here. If you take the same analogy in supply chain, we are still running on-prem server racks. That that IT department is called supply chain today. And they are doing their best with bubble gum and shoestring to hold together this network or this you know, approved vendor list, an AVL of all of these suppliers. And those IT professionals, we call them supply chain, are leveraging some new tools like additive to digitize portions of that. So like kind of moving it to the cloud. What I would say is if you look at this whole new suite, that if you're adding a fictive into your supply chain, if you're adding additive, if you're putting robotics into your facility, you're starting to make this transition to the cloud, which is one where you actually have agility. You have real resiliency that's built in there. I'll give you a great example of this. In Q1 in Shenzhen, overnight, this was like late February, the whole city shut down due to COVID. You remember this, 17 and a half million people like that could not leave their homes, just locked down. So most folks would have been, they were getting calls from all their suppliers in, in Shenzhen, be like, sorry, we don't know when we're gonna go back to work and we don't know when the factories will come online to ship your products. This was this year. The, not the, 2020. Not tw- well, this happened in 2020. It also happened in happened you know, again. 2022 in like <laughs> late February, March. It's just 17 and a half million people locked down. And so the old way on-prem server racks was you got a phone call from your supplier in Shenzhen and you're like, sorry, we don't know when your parts will ship. For Fictive, we had 249 work orders that were in production in that region on that Monday when we we came in. Within 24 hours, all 249 work orders were moved out of that region to new manufacturers and all through our digital system. And we had near zero impact to lead time or cost for our customer base. So I mean, some of them didn't even get a phone call because they didn't even know that their work was moved. It just was like, your parts are going to arrive on May 15th and it's still on schedule. But behind the scenes, all those work orders are getting shifted to new factories, quality is getting, all of that's done. That is like AWS. That is like a digital ecosystem that your website just stays up. It's resiliency. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I think more companies should consider adopting this type of resiliency where versus the old way of, sorry, we actually don't know when your product's going to leave. And, you know, we've done it in computing with server racks and it's time that we do it in supply chain as well. Any final thoughts? I would say that the future is bright and there's a lot of great things happening uh, in this world. You know, we're, uh, we're coming off a great announcement with Biden. We're coming off our announcement of our Series E, so $100 million of additional funding uh, to really fuel a lot of this work that we talked about here. I think that there's a lot of folks in both the public markets and the financials that are seeing this next generation or wave 
really happening. And so I would just say to anybody listening to this, think about your digital playbook. Think about how a fictive can be a part of that, just like additive or robotics or logistics uh, might be. Uh, and I'd love to I'd love to help continue this conversation of how we bring supply chain and, and really manufacturing into the into the digital era. If you're not adopting digital, you're going to be left in the stone ages. You're going to have on-prem server racks, your website will be going down and your competition will be eating your lunch. So uh, digital is not a, uh, not a luxury. It's a, it's a must to, to move forwards. Well, thank you so much for your time, Dave. I appreciate it. Uh, great to catch up, Leslie. Thanks for having me.